Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. I love that. I love how you have the crescendo that you go down to, like, mouse voice. Love it, Jay. It's all about the peaks and valleys, man. And uh, welcome to Podcast 108. Got a good one for you guys. Um, right off the bat, our, bur- our buddy Burge, the senior contributor, is currently uh, working and actually making a living instead of being a, a jackass with us on the podcast. So um, he's he's uh, he's busy tied up this week, but he'll be back next week. But let's get into st- let's get into the podcast, Puma. Um, we got some breaking, uh, devastating news before we got on the podcast. We're recording on Tuesday night, December twenty eighth, and before we jumped on. Uh, the internet broke with the news of John Madden passing at the age of 85. And uh, you know, I, know, I think for the both of us, I can say John Madden had a pretty profound impact on our lives, right? Uh, he's uh, one of the legendary coaches in the NFL, and then he became a great broadcaster. And, you know, I'm sure you have your thoughts, but my quick thoughts on John Madden, man, he just taught me so much about the game. From a young boy, you know, trying to learn the game of football at 8, eight, eight 9, 10, he was the main voice, you know, on, on, on the major networks. And I just remember watching him as a young kid and learning a lot about football and I thank him for that and and the one thing that sticks out to me is that first Super Bowl the Patriots had obviously with Tom Brady and the Rams and uh, the greatest show on turf and just some of the commentary and the stuff they said during that game was something I remember for the rest of my life so it's a sad day uh, you know we're, we're, we're holding out hope and prayer we're, we're praying for the Madden family and um, you know it's just a gut punch man yeah no and uh, I, I, I heard about it on my way home from work today and uh you know, Albert Breer, he brought up a great point. Like, every flag at every NFL facility and stadium better be flying at half-mast tomorrow. I mean, this dude had such a profound impact on the game. And, you know, we were, you know, we weren't around for when he was in his heyday as a, you know, head coach with the the then Oakland Raiders with Al Davis as the general manager and then owner. Um, you know, he has one Super Bowl title. Uh, I mean, if you go back through the annals of history, no, he was just like that. His Raider teams were kind of like the victim of bad luck with the, you know, mm-hmm. immaculate reception and some other, you know, kind of haywire plays that robbed them from going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, my my childhood, you hit the nail on the head, dude. Like every every Sunday, it was always Pat Summerall and and John Madden just talking to the game. They were the they were the original Troy Aikman and Joe and Joe Buck, and they really set the the bar and the standard of what an NFL commentator commentator and commentating crew uh, should do to explain the game to people. And, you know, you can always look at, you know, the game history of Madden and how that's taken off and taken over the landscape. But no, John Madden, absolute Titan of, uh, of the NFL. And uh, it, it sucks. And it's kind of crazy like that NFL uh, Fox special uh, came out, uh, I believe it was like Christmas Eve or Christmas yeah, day, ago, a couple yeah. of days ago. And uh, you know, here we are on a Tuesday and, you know, he just passed away unexpectedly uh, at 85 and kind of like a funny John Madden story. <clears throat> this goes back to when, you know, he was commentating. Uh, he, I guess he had a fear of flying and yeah, I, I guess it was more so, <laughs> Yeah, it was more so like he was claustrophobic. So mm-hmm. he would travel to every game on a bus. And that's why for, I think, towards the end when he was with uh, ESPN, I believe, and then Fox, uh, when they would do like the player of the game, they would put like that guy's sticker on the side of the bus and they would just yeah, travel across that. the country. And it's just kind of funny, like a big Titan, big dude like that, big personality and had a fear of flying. So, you, you know, character and all, larger than life, great guy. Probably can't find a bad word ever said about him. And yeah, uh, yeah it sucks. It, it, it sucks. I'm still kind of, I'm still in shock. And uh, like you said, uh, thoughts and prayers out to the Madden family. But uh, appreciate everything he's done for the game on and off the field to to expand the brand. Yeah, and that documentary there, they had a big part about his bus and he would travel across the country and how he would like as much as possible stop get off the bus. And just talk to the normal folk in the middle of America, you know? He really wanted to connect with those folk. And it seems like he was just a down-to-earth, very approachable guy. And it's, it says that a lot about him because he's such a titan, you know? I mean, he just didn't take over one industry. He was obviously a great head coach. He, you know, he went to win the Super Bowl. He became a Hall of Famer. Left all that behind. And then went and took over a completely different industry, which was broadcasting at that time. And he rose to the top. And then he went to the, the video game industry and then put his, put his yep. name on the Madden football um, game. So everywhere in his life where he touched, you know, he just he just reached for excellence. And, and you know, it sucks that he's gone, you know. Yep. 
Won't be a guy like that ever again. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 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 Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's pivot over to uh, the uh, the action from the past week. Um, the first game we want to hit on is the Buffalo Bills going to Gillette, taking on the New England Patriots. Uh, the Buffalo Bills ended up winning 33-21. And, you know, Burge was at that game, and I'm sure he didn't leave a happy camper because of how thoroughly the Buffalo Bills outplayed the Patriots. But let's break this down into two segments. We'll start with the Bills first, and I'll turn that over to you and kind of talk about the Bills, and then we'll jump into the Patriots just because it'll be easier for me to kind of cut up that way down the road. So yeah. let's start with the Bills. Um, let me get your your takes on, on the game from, from the Bills angle, man. I mean, all those folks out there in New England land and, you know, yeah, surpri- across the country. Yeah, surprising that the Bills organization didn't fail to, uh, didn't, didn't get killed off by the Patriots, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they were, I was reading reports about how they were coming unglued and, you know, they didn't, you know, they they weren't mentally capable of handling the big moment and overcoming adversity. I mean, they walked into Foxborough and just kicked the pads straight in the teeth. They didn't punt mm-hmm. once. Um, Isaiah McKenzie uh, was a god, a, a freaking star that game. Uh, Josh Allen, then Isaiah McKenzie. I think he had like he had to be close to double digits, almost a hundred receiving yards, a touchdown. You know, he was all over the place. He really filled the void left behind uh, from Cole Beasley testing positive for COVID. And then after we recorded the pod last week, Isaiah McKenzie went down on the COVID list and he was, uh, he's not vaccinated. So he missed that game. So it was really like Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie, and a quasi semblance of a run game with Devin Singletary. Uh, but no, I mean, Josh Allen, like put this team on, on his back. Like they, they marched up and down the field at will. Um, I will say this though, and Jay, I think you would you would agree with me. Buffalo left a lot of mm-hmm. points on the field. Like it could mm-hmm. have been a twenty plus point blowout uh, instead of what the final score actually ended up being. If it wasn't for you know an illegal man downfield that nullified a touchdown, a holding call on a touchdown pass, like it could have been a lot uglier than what it was. Um, but for everything that I was reading going into this game about Buffalo, and I'll be up, I'll be the first one to say it. Like they've been the most consistent, inconsistent team in the NFL. Like they they don't blow out teams that they should. Uh, they they don't rise to the occasion against winning teams from time to time. <clears throat> they knew it was on the line. They had to go into Foxborough in enemy territory. They handled their business, and now they're you know leading the AFC East, and I guess they have close to like a 75-80% chance of winning the division uh, if you look at certain models and statistics and whatnot. So um, kudos to the Bills doing their doing their thing, handling their business. The defense gave Mac Jones fits at times. Um, I know you're going to hit on Mac Jones, so I'm not going to steal your thunder, but the defense did its job, and they made the coaching staff and the players as, as a whole for New England kind of look foolish. And uh, yeah. I'll defer the floor to you. Well, let me start by saying this. Um the Buffalo Bills organization is still standing in Buffalo, okay? The Patriots did not kill them. Belichick is not inside of Sean McDermott's head. I mean, all these vomit-inducing narratives that most of these Boston, like, sycophants and fanboys, it just makes me nauseous. Like, I'm getting to the point now where, like, I, I punch my phone every time I read some of these narratives that they come up come up with. Let's start with Sean McDermott. I think he outcoached Belichick. On the first drive, he went for it on fourth down, and scored that touchdown, and immediately on the next try, Bill Belichick started going for it on the fourth on fourth downs. When's the last time you saw Bill Belichick be that aggressive with with Mac Jones? And right then and there, I knew Sean McDormand dragged Belichick onto his playfield and said, "You're going to play by my rules today." Right? That's number one, and I think he had a hell of a game. Secondly, Josh Allen, dude, the guy was just absolutely phenomenal. Like I I cannot believe I've come so quickly turned around on a player that I had such negative feelings for two years ago, but I just give off, go off the latest performance and the stats and what he's doing, and he's playing out of his mind right now. I mean, he basically put the team on his back, like you said, Puma. He went up and down the field. Bill Belichick had absolutely no answer for him whatsoever. And it tells me a lot that Josh Allen and Brian Dayball had a great game plan for everything Bill Belichick threw at, at those guys. Because on the first drive, they played a lot of zone. And, you know, you know, Josh Allen drove the, the ball down, scored seven points. And the next drive, Bill Belichick did throw a little wrinkle into there. He threw a little bit of a, a man wrinkle where, you know, at that point, he started playing a little bit more man, realizing they went down the field way too quick on the first drive. We got to do something here. And when that happened, Josh Allen saw it immediately. And he ran for, I believe it was 15 yards. Basically, everybody turned their backs, started playing man. He saw the big hole. He just ran. 
And from that moment on, I saw Bill Belichick go back to zone because he realized, oh, shit, I can't do that now either. I feel like that kind of, you know, run scared those guys a little bit on the, 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 on the Patriots coaching staff. So they went back to zone and they didn't do anything different until late in the fourth quarter. So you could see that Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, and Josh Allen dictated onto Belichick what they wanted to do. And that's not something you can say much of, right? No, I mean, you can't. And, and, and again, like it, it was three weeks ago, and it was, you know, this is the 2001 Patriots. They just embarrassed the Bills. This is a franchise shaking loss. They're coming unglued. And it's like, you know, stop it. You know, all those people, like, you know, I hate picking out, you know, picking out individuals, but to hell with them, I'm going to do it. Like Greg Bedard and, an and, and Beatle, like they were peddling that narrative of, uh, oh man, the organization's done. Uh, they're 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 coming unglued. It's like no, like this is you were putting the cart way before the horse. Like they're a mass, they were a massively inconsistent team. But you know, going into that game, you asked me on the last episode who has the most heat right now is the coaching staff of Josh Allen, and I put most of the heat on the coaching staff of Dayball and and Sean McDermott. And I mean, you want to talk about answering the bell? I mean, they answered the bell, and they were like bullied by Tyson in his prime in that game. Like they weren't taking any prisoners. They were scheming things up. I think Josh Allen ended the day with about 65 rushing yards. Uh, So 64. um, So, I mean, he was, he was really dictating the, the pace of the game the the, you know, everything going on and, you know, he's not going to win MVP. Like, listen, I'm not saying he's going to win MVP this year, but if you look since that bills, the, the Patriots loss where, they they came back against uh, the Buccaneers, you know, in, in that game, and just he's been stacking mm-hmm. performances because now I think he and that coaching staff and the team as a whole understand that the margin for error is so slim now they couldn't lose out anymore, so they they had to really turn the table, turn the turn the corner, run the table, get after it, and they have to win this division uh, instead of going to a wild card round and. You know, with how COVID's been ramping up, like it's better to have a chance at division. Like we saw the Chiefs have a, a COVID outbreak last week. Like it's not beyond the realm to say other teams could have that issue. Maybe they sneak their way up to the number one seed if things fall a certain way. But I don't think they're going to get higher than three or four. But, you know, this it's never beyond the realm of possibility. You could improve your seeding chances. And I think the Bills understood that. And they, they really adapted well on the fly. And, you know, kudos to the coaching staff because a lot of people were turning up that heat on on McDermott and Dave Wall. Yeah. And I think something happened at halftime of the Buccaneers game where they were down by so much. And a lot of it is Josh Allen just putting the team on his back and playing at, at, a, at an insane level. And what I've seen out of Josh Allen, I rarely see out of NFL quarterbacks. I've seen it out of the great ones when it's Tom Brady and, you know, he goes on a big drive at the end of the game and he basically puts the game away. But you're starting to see you know, Josh Allen have a little bit of that killer instinct in him, right? I, I use the word soul-snatching quite a bit because mm-hmm. he's done it a couple times this year where he'll go on soul-snatching drives against the Chiefs early on this year and then against the Patriots where you can just see play-by-play play, he's taking away the soul of the Patriots. He's taking away the soul of the opponent and they're getting more and more dejected. And that's something great to see out of a young quarterback like that because, you know, obviously it's a building block and down the road, you know, if he keeps building on this, he can, he can get to great Hall of Fame levels. But you're just seeing a guy in full control of the quarterback position, understanding what the defense is trying to do to him, and not forcing the ball downfield. You saw a lot of checkdowns early just to kind of put those, you know, linebackers in uh, in uh, the Patriots linebackers in flux or in uh, you know uh, what you call it um uh, rub. You know, essentially trying to figure out what they want to do because a lot of the the cover was covered too for the Patriots. So. It's just good to see, and I'm glad for Josh Allen. And, you know, it's just something that there's a good chance that this team will play the Patriots again in the playoffs, and that's going to be the all, all tiebreaker for the season. Right. And real quick before we move off the Bills, I mean, some of those plays, Jay, like he's rolling to his right. He's throwing yeah. across his body and mm-hmm. through to the middle of the field, which is normally a big freaking no-no. Mm-hmm. But the kid's got a howitzer. That, some of those throws, man, like chef's kiss. Like incredible. Incredible. Well, 
he's playing Ma- he's playing Madden out there on rookie level because on fourth and two, you know, he essentially takes the ball on a bootleg. He has was it Judon or I forget who it was, a linebacker and JC Jackson right there in good position to stop him from converting that fourth down. But he sidestepped one and he jukes another one and JC Jackson goes flying the linebacker and he gets nine yards on that carry. Like I mean, mm-hmm. he's just playing backyard Madden esque football. Even down by the goal line the last drive where he's rolling out to the left and you see Dawson October and he just pitches it to him. I mean, that's the stuff you can't teach. That's the stuff that is just elite. And, you know, we'll get to Mac Jones here in a second. But, you know, that's something when you're watching. It's so depressing for a Patriots fan to watch what's happening with Mac Jones and realizing no matter how good he ever gets, he's never going to be in that realm of Josh Allen just because the physical tools aren't there. He can't possibly be that great. The fact that Josh Allen threw for 314 yards and then ran for 64 more yards, he's leading uh, Russia as well of the team. I mean, that just speaks volumes to to where this kid has uh, has come to. Yes, sir. Now, to get to the yeah. Pats autopsy, Jay, uh, I know you're about to go Michael Bodden on us here. Uh, so what what what's going on? Like, what happened? Like, it seems like it's another week of a letdown spot. You know, we thought, okay, they're going to sh- they're going to lick their wounds after the Colts loss. They're going to rebound. They're going to lock up the AFC East. 2001 Patriots, Mac Jones well, looking well, Brady-esque. Exactly, right? That, that's what the happened? most disappointing part, Puma. I thought we had the 2001 Patriots on our hand here, right? I thought Mac Jones was the next Tom Brady, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they were peddling for See, a while. Dude, I just I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand the narratives that are being built with, with the Patriot fan base in Boston. Because if you watch Tom Brady his first year and you watch Mac Jones and you think those guys are comparable, then you don't know football. I'm sorry, you simply do not know football. Because what I understand that Tom Brady wasn't asked to do a lot his first year. But there were multiple times that year where they put the team on his back and he either came from behind or he closed out a big playoff game. I mean, he started out with San Diego. They were down by multiple possessions. The day he came in against the Jets, they were down by multiple possessions. I mean, uh, obviously the, the AFC Championship game, in a driving blizzard with snow and wind, Tom Brady was able to win against the Raiders. We all remember the tuck rule game, right? Mm-hmm. And this kid, Mac Jones, is doing none of that, right? And I think, let me start out by saying this. I think if I had to rate the, the blame pie for why the Patriots look so inept on Sunday, it would be one Mac Jones and one A defense. They're, they're kind of very close. A lot of people have them, you know, interchangeable where the defense is one A, uh, defense is uh, one and Mac Jones is one A, but I choose to have Mac Jones as my number one blame pie for the game. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, I think the guy, I'm getting a sense, Puma, that he's not mentally tough, Right. And I say that because usually toughness and, you know, being in those pressure back situations, you learn that over time through repeated experiences, right? Unfortunately, he's never been in a position in his life where he's had a lot of pressure on him besides this year. Like, let's look at his high school years. He was, you know, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in his county and went to the best high school and won a lot. You went to Alabama. You're by far the best team in college football. You were never even down like like a big margin, double digits at halftime in any of those games. In your championship game against Ohio State, you were up by like 30 points. I watched it because I was an Ohio State fan. So mm-hmm. I just think the kid has never been put through the ringer, right? And he is being put through the ringer now, and I see. I feel like he's faulting because for the last three or four weeks, man, he's looked borderline trash. He's looked borderline abysmal. His numbers on Sunday were 14 of 32, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And those numbers look better than what he actually played. You know what I'm saying? Like he looked, right. he looked pretty scared out there. And the defense part of it, sure, I get it. Defense had a horrific day. I'll be the first one to say this defense gives off 2019 boogeyman vibes. Looks like they're very fraudulent. Josh Allen did whatever he did. You know, he went up and down the field. He went seven possessions without a punt. I mean, the whole game he went without punting. That's absolutely unheard of. But my bigger point here is, Kuma, this defense has stood up all year long, right? All year long, they've they've willed Mac Jones on the offense to wins with seven straight win, win consecutive streaks, right? Seven straight wins. At some point, you're going to have to ask Mac Jones to do something. At some point, the defense is going to have a bad day. And obviously, the Buffalo Bills game was a bad day. And he had to do something. He had to pull up that 0-1 Brady-esque, you know, vibe and try to carry the team a little bit. We're not asking him to do that every single week. We're just asking him to fill in the gaps when the defense isn't playing well. Because a lot of these fans up in New England have this idea that 
if the if the defense plays great every week and the running attack is going great every week, then we'll be fine. Well, if that's the case, then you can just throw any Joe Schmo in there and we'd win. You know what I'm saying? There will be times in the NFL where your defense is going to get carved up and your offense has to carry you. And so far, Mac Jones has done none of that. Like the whole year, the only time he's had success is when everything's going perfect and the team is rolling like a, a la the Cleveland Browns game. Other than that, the guy has shown me nothing this year and it's kind of alarming for our future prospects. Right, and if you know, of all the times of the year to like lay an egg and start getting into the rookie slump is, you know, the last three weeks where you were leading the division, you could have sealed Buffalo's fate and put the nail in the coffin and you win the division, <clears throat> don't have to really sweat anything going forward. And now, like, you're on the outside looking in possibly. You're in a wild card spot. You're playing Jacksonville. In theory, that should be a win. But, like, Jacksonville has stepped up to the plate from time to time. And we've seen how bizarre weeks have been through the NFL, literally any given Sunday. Like, who knows at this point? Um, but, you know, I'll just say this, Jay. Yeah, okay. Like, Mac Jones part of the problem obviously but like to completely absolve of 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 any issues is just asinine to me like throwing interceptions to cost the team you know offensive possessions take points off the board especially with how bad that defense has been you know you're going to have to throw to keep up and to put points on the board because your defense isn't doing anything those interceptions are costly. So I'm right there with you. I would put Mac Jones in the driver's seat by a hair in the blame pie because, like you said, like the offense is going to have to carry the weight from time to time. And right now, it just it doesn't look that way. And it just seems, you know, maybe you could speak a little bit more towards this because I haven't really seen much of the press conferences. But, like, is it still, like, a pity party in Foxborough with – with what's going on and we didn't have good practices like is there any more talk of that going on ah uh, it's um i don't know but there's all there's these alarming trends that people like matt castle and tom curran have said the last couple of days saying there's some sort of um there's some sort of un, unhingedness in the patriots locker room and they don't elaborate and it's probably just something that they're hearing in passing and they're just passing along without full details, truthfully. But it's alarming to hear that. And then coupled out with the um, the comments that are made after the Indianapolis Colts game about feeling sorry for ourselves, not having the full bye week, having 12 days instead of 14 days. And all that put together does seem to be a little bit of a concern. And that's just something wild that I've never heard before coming out of Patriots locker room. I mean, the Patriots locker room was always like no days off. It's a mantra of, of Bill Belichick. And it's, you know, always doom and gloom and you're going to outwork everybody. And now you've got stories coming out about how the locker room's not unhappy. They got jipped on the bye week and they feel sorry for themselves. It just seems like a mentally weak team. And that's something that I just don't think I'd ever thought I'd say about a Patriots team. I'd say that they were bad last year, right? Uh, they had lack of talent on the football field and they lost a lot of games. I just never thought they would be mentally weak. And that's something that's starting to seep through through some of the narrative that's happening out in Boston. Right. And real quick, is it me or was the coaching staff trying to force the ball to Nikhil Harry a lot on Sunday? Well, that's a that's a product Puma of them taking away um, Hunter Henry. Uh, if you saw that the game plan and what the defensive coaches did for the Buffalo Bills, they knew that Hunter Henry was the guy that always that the Mac Jones looks to, and essentially they took him away. And obviously that's when Mac has to go to Jacoby Myers, who had a hell of a game because he ended up with what was it, six catches, fifty nine yards. Uh, Hunter Henry had one for nine. I mean, Hunter Henry is, is by far our best weapon, and and it, it was a, a narrative. It was a directive from the Buffalo Bills to stop him, and and they did. And, and that's where Mac Jones got flustered. He just he had to go to the second and third read. He started you know tap dancing in the pocket. He started becoming unsure what he was seeing, and that's when things started snowballing. And, and I will say this: I think that this happened last week as well against the Colts Puma, where on the first drive he took a sack. And then he kind of got rattled immediately after that sack. I, I, I've noticed that he also took a sack against the Bills on that first drive. And then from there, his internal clock sped up and he started becoming rattled. And that's where my my opening you know, dialogue about this whole situation was about his mental toughness. And it's something that I just don't see. Like, I'm not asking, listen, I understand he's a rookie quarterback. I understand I'm not going to ask him to go out there and throw 45 touchdowns. 
But some of the stuff as in leadership or being mentally tough, that stuff I thought he would come with, but it seems like he doesn't have that. I'm just getting the sense that he seems to be a little bit on the weaker side when it comes to his mental toughness. And a couple of the fact that we saw earlier on the year with the Saints game, I mean, I I don't feel good at all with what's happening right now, man. Uh-huh. Now, before we move off the Pats, you know, they're playing Jacksonville. They're at home. It's Bill Belichick against, a, you know, a rookie quarterback. The spread's 15 and a half. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing we're both going to sit here and say that New England's going to win against Jacksonville. But yeah. do you feel like they have to win in convincing fashion, like almost run the score up on yep. Jacksonville? Yeah, they're going to need to run the score up on Jacksonville a la what they did against the Jets, remember? Mm-hmm. Remember how they throw 50 points just to get their mojo going, just to get themselves feeling good? And it seems like this team is going to need another one of those because they're going to go into this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I would bet the Patriots on this. And they're going to throw up a million points. And they're going to want to feel good about themselves. They're going to have Mac Jones three, three, throw three touchdowns. The defense pitches a shutout or only gives up seven points. And then the narrative just runs runs wild again about, we're back, it's the one Patriots, we've got the next Tom Brady. Like, it's going to be nauseating next week as well once this happens. But it's something that needs to happen so these guys get their mojo back because then they got a dogfight against the Dolphins to close out the year. Mm-hmm. And there is a path, Puma, that if somehow some of these stories that Tom Curran and Matt Castle and some of the other guys in Boston have alluded to about how there seems to be this... Um, fraction maybe in the locker room almost where a certain sector of the guys felt like they're being wronged with that whole bye week situation still which is limited for two weeks now if that holds over to the Jacksonville game and they lose that game and lose the Miami Dolphins game they're out of the playoffs I mean there's a path for them to not be in the playoffs if this thing really comes unglued the next two weeks I just think it's hilarious that you know grown men professionals being paid to play this game are in their feelings about a bye week two weeks later mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, certain people will say the bye week is, is detrimental to a team. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> All right. Are we done with that? <laughs> I, think we're good. I think we're good with the Pats. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's move on to your team, Pumo, who have won seven straight in a row now. The 8-7 and seven Miami Dolphins are taking on the 10-5 and five Tennessee Titans in a pivotal matchup for your boys because they're clearly in the playoff picture now. They have the number seven... Uh, seed uh, in the playoffs and if they win this game they're looking like they could make the playoffs however it's a tough task going to Tennessee and playing the Titans so right after that Puma we gotta win this game uh, this one's a tough one man like I mean we, we saw Tennessee they're going against the, the San Francisco 49ers I was talking about them in my best bet segment last week uh, where I laid the points with the San Francisco just dealing with the COVID issues that Tennessee had and, you know, A.J. Brown wasn't too sure if he was going to come back kind of deal. And, I mean, Tannehill and company, they really came back roaring. Uh, it became the A.J. Brown game, and they just started force-feeding him the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have anything to say about it. Uh, but then on the other side of the field is going to be the Miami Dolphins, which has to be probably one of the hottest defenses in the league. And this goes back to, you know, about seven seven weeks ago when they played the uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens at home on Thursday night. I thought they were going to be embarrassed. And they really shut down Lamar Jackson in, in that game with zero blitzes and whatnot. And, you know, they started really going on this war path of pun- trying to punch their ticket to the playoffs. The thing that gives me pause is really Tua. And, you know, last night they, they rolled the the, uh, the New Orleans Saints, starting their third uh, their third quarterback at that point, Ian Book. Uh, didn't look that great. Uh, pick six right off the bat. But Tua had a, like, a mind-numbing interception mm-hmm. that, I mean, we were talking about this offline yesterday where I sent you the gif of Ray Charles, and it, it said in the caption, see you dot, 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 never. <laughs> like, I just, I did not know what Tua was looking at there. Uh, this is, and, and granted, like the 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 Saints have a a, a playoff caliber defense as well too. Yeah, it's just do. the lack of quarterback holding them back. The Tennessee Titans are a very cagey defensive unit. Uh, you know, Vrabel and and Flores kind of come from that same coaching esque tree of Bill Belichick. Um, this is close. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. They're a three point dog. I just think there's so much momentum on their side. They can really get after it with the offensive line, which I think is still gonna be somewhat of a problem because Taylor Lewan is still on 
the COVID list uh, with uh, with that plus a back injury, if I recall correctly. Roger Staffel came back off of COVID uh, yesterday, but you know, and Bud Dupree I think came back as well too on the defensive side of the football. But you know, Jalen Waddle's a problem. He's a man. Mm-hmm. He's starting to really become that wide receiver that was drafted in the first round. I mean, they're using him all over the place. I remember in the draft process, you were telling me he could be the Tyree Kill s guy for the Miami Dolphins just with how much they could use him. Uh, long story short, I'll turn it over to you. I'm taking the Dolphins in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, the over-under is 41. Not really going to touch the over-under, but I like Dolphins uh, getting the points here. Yeah. If I have it correct, Jalen Waddell, he he captured which record last night? Was it the Miami Dolphins um, he, rookie reception? Uh, yeah, he captured the Dolphins rookie record, I believe. And it and looks like he's about... Six away, right? Six away from Anquan Bolden's rookie record of 101 receptions. If he gets that Puma, I think he's my offensive rookie of the year. Like, seriously, like if he gets that record and he breaks that record, and which he probably will because he only needs six receptions in two more games, then he should definitely get the offensive rookie of the year. And before anybody says this, Jalen Waddle missed the game. He missed last week, right? So yeah. it would still be 16 weeks of game where he would break that record. It wouldn't be a 17-week to 16-week record. You feel me? That's where I'm mm-hmm. trying to get there with that. But, listen, I was I was impressed with the, with the Dolphins last night, man. I think Tua's playing good right now. He's playing smart, efficient football. Um, and to throw up 20 points on that Saints team is saying a lot, Puma. That defense is absolutely insane. And the fact that Jalen Waddle went through it as he pleased is, is a pretty good sign for your boys. Um, you know, the Saints obviously shut out the, the Buccaneers two weeks ago, so... You know, it wasn't a by far perfect game by Tua, but it was just good enough to to get you guys to win. And I, I got to tell you what, that defense on the other side, the Dolphins defense, is really scary as well, man. Like, you guys got some ballers over there. They made Ian Book look, you know, pretty stupid all night. And and that's, granted, it's his first start, so I get that. But it's it's something where if the Dolphins make the playoffs, Puma, I wouldn't want to see them. I mean, they play that that mm-hmm. brand of football where they beat you up. They'll they'll get on your you know wide receivers. They'll rough them up. And they'll throw off your rhythm, and next thing you know, you're throwing four interceptions like Lamar Jackson did on that Thursday night football game. So, I've I've got the Dolphins winning this game as well against the Titans. I think there's still a lot of injuries on the Titans front, and you know at the end of the day, I think the Dolphins need it more, and I think I see some sort of fight in them that I haven't seen in a long time. So I'm, I'm going with the Dolphins, man. I think that's something that, 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 you know, a lot of people that are betting could keep an eye on. It could be an upset of the week now. With that being said, Puma, like, do you believe that this Dolphins team, can it make the playoffs? Or do you think that uphill battle with both the, uh, the Titans and the Patriots is going to be something that's going to be hard to overcome? I think they can make the playoffs. I mean, they're going to have they're gonna have to win out. They're going to have to handle their business against Tennessee, which, by the way, I misspoke. Julio Jones and Bud Dupree are on the COVID list as mm-hmm. of yesterday, Monday. Yeah. Um, Roger Saffold came off yesterday, so I just wanted to clear that up real quick. But um, I think they're a playoff caliber team. I mean, they they beat New England week one. Yeah, we can all say the referees were horrible in that game. Coaching well, decisions <laughs> um, on both on both sides were, were questionable. But with how this defense is playing now, and Tua seems to start to be coming into his own a little bit more, and the Waddle connection is legit. Um, I think they could go. I think they could beat beat the uh, beat the Pats at home. Uh, uh, you know, for to possibly punch their ticket to the playoffs. But <clears throat> it's going to be an interesting battle. I mean, with with AJ Brown being the man that he is, I mean, they're going to have to handle his business. I think Xavier Howard can can really do that. Uh, but yeah, I think they they are a playoff caliber team. Yeah. Whether or not we're gonna get bounced in the first round is a different discussion. <laughs> but I think they could punch their ticket for for a playoff berth because they were streaky towards the end of last year as well too. And then mm-hmm. the wheels fell off the bus against Buffalo. But I think they could finally seal the deal and get a playoff berth for the first time in forever. Yeah, last question before we move off this topic. What do you think was the main factor in the turnaround? Because obviously, you guys started at 1-7, and seven, and that was brutal. It set you guys back, you know, in uh, an insane clip. But is it as simple as after the trade deadline came and went and Deshaun Watson wasn't yep. traded? Is it as simple as so. that? Is it, is it simple so. as that? If that's the case, and that's brutal. That is absolutely brutal for your team then, man. I, I think so. I mean, because at that point, like, there really wasn't a whole lot going. Like, I didn't really notice any other storylines coming out of the, out of the Dolphins except for that ravaging of COVID through the running back room uh, last week, where Duke Johnson, you know, 
just put that team on his back in the running game. But honestly, I think it was just the dying down effect of, you know, the trade deadline talk and, you know, uh, Coach Flores and Chris Greer being kind of wishy-washy on the subject. And, you know, it doesn't help when ownership is really kicking the tires if certain certain you know things are being met the fan base wants you out of there myself included um yeah i think it might have been something as simple as simple as that so you said yourself included you wanted him out of there what is uh your general feeling on tua now is this basically one of those things where you're buying in or do you understand that maybe this isn't you know just like we don't we believe that mac jones isn't it is it more of that as well with tua I still need to see because listen, I'm going to be biased. I wasn't a fan of him coming out, uh, being drafted to the Dolphins. Um, but I, I just I need to see I need to see more. Like I just I uh, it's going to take a lot for me to come around just because I just have this PTSD esque <laughs> of seeing Alabama quarterbacks coming to the NFL and really not do a whole lot. Um, you know, case in point, let's look at New England. But um, I, I just I just need to see a lot more. Like, if they go to the playoffs, and hell, like, if they go to the playoffs and they win the first round and Tua is average to above average in the last, let's say, two games, and then they win a first-round playoff game. Okay, I will start coming around to Tua Tungavailoa as my franchise quarterback. But I just I need to see a lot more. All right, and then I promise last question I'll move off this, but you're the, the Finns expert. Listen, I watched Tua quite a bit in college, and there were times where he could air it out. I mean, there were times where he's dropping bombs 50 yards mm-hmm. down the field. And I don't know if that's simply a product of him throwing to an all-star track team for his wide receivers, and then the NFL is different. But he has the arm strength, and a lot of times we can compare Tua and Mac Jones but I think Tua has a slightly better arm. Not by a lot. I'm not saying that it's a Josh Allen, you know, versus like uh, Mac Jones kind of comparison. But it's still close enough where Tua has a little bit more arm strength. So why do you think they haven't let him unleash it down the field yet? Well, it probably doesn't help you have two offensive coordinators and mm-hmm. no one outside of the facility knows is actually calling plays down there. And the constant change of coaching staff. I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like they're off. They're just trying to dink and dunk their way down the field, you know, a la New England-esque, just be considering where, you know, Coach Flores came from for X amount of years. Like, that was the offense that was run a long time. Um, I, I think it might be something like that. I, I think they need to get a, as bad as it sounds, like a modern-day offensive coordinator out there that wants to air the ball out because I'm with you. Like, he did air the ball out in college. But, again, like when you're throwing to – Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, uh, you know, I think Calvin Ridley might have been there uh, towards like the beginning of the two. Waddle, like, yeah, Henry Ruggs, you know, like when you're throwing to an all, you know, an all track team that could probably win you a gold medal in the Olympics. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of wide open space out down the field. So um, I'm going to put a little bit more on the coaching staff, just not drawing up plays to get these guys into space. Um, it's, you know, some of that might be coming down to the position, the position as well, too. I mean, Will Fuller played, I think, two games. Devontae Parker didn't have a reception last night. He was in and out of the you know, medical tent more than he was actually getting the football last night. So it might come down to the the, the players around as well, too. But I'm going to put a, a decent amount of the blame on the lack of pushing the ball down the field on the coaching staff. Okay. All right. And you got to somehow fix that running game. And I still understand how it's three years later. And you don't have a running running game. A lot of it comes down to the offensive line and how bad they've been. But you would think three years down the road, you'd have this shit figured out, right? You'd think, but it's also the Dolphins. So yeah. nothing surprises me. All right, let's move on to the 11-4 Kansas City Chiefs taking on the 9-6 Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. This should be a hell of a game, the game I'm looking forward to the most. And the Chiefs are coming off of a drubbing of the Steelers at 36-10 was the final score. And the Bengals had a blowout win as well against the Ravens 41-21 where John Harbaugh didn't like the fact that the Bengals were throwing the ball deep when he himself is kind of a little bit of a hypocrite here. <laughs> yeah, but... says so the guy that wanted to run the ball to keep the 100-yard running game streak. Shut up, Harbaugh. Yeah, like, I love way. Harbaugh and at times it's just like, you know, just to shake hands and get off the field. But yeah. Honestly, I think this is going to be the game of the week. Kansas City, they're going up. Uh, Cincinnati, you're going to get some skyline chili. It's going to be a fun mm-hmm. time. Uh, and be, be, personally, I, I 
I'm going to go contrary. I'm, I actually think the Bengals can possibly have a puncher's chance in this game. Uh, uh, I'm feeling sp- that way too. The spread, the spread's five, five and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. The over-under is at 50, which I feel is about right. Uh, if I'm going to look at the over-under, I'm probably going to look over uh, the 50 here. But um, breakdown of the game, I, I like Cincinnati in the spot. I mean, Joe Burrow showed me a lot. He went scorched earth after a couple of comments made by Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, granted, this is going to be his first time going up against the Steve Spagnolo defense, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. The Chiefs defense have really started to come into their own down the key playoff stretch here. Uh, the Chiefs just punched their ticket. They they secured the AFC West. They have the best record in the NFL right now, or at least in the AFC. So they're the number one seed. But, you know, the, the Bengals defense has been a pleasant surprise all year long. Uh, Kelsey, I believe, is still on the COVID list. He's probably got a good chance of coming back for this game. Uh, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's got a dinged-up shoulder. Um, you know, so if he doesn't go, it's going to be the Jarek McKinnon, you know, Derek Gore running back show uh, in the backfield, but I, it's just a vibe, just something about Joe Burrow, just at will getting his guys, his wide receivers, like the Tyler Boyds of the world, the, the, the Jamar chases of the world and whatnot getting in sync. I think he's still going to have some success pushing the ball down the field. And I, I think it's going to be inside of a field goal game I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was you know a two-point game at the end but I, I think Cincinnati could win this game yeah yeah I think I'm leading Cincinnati as well Puma and a lot of it comes down to just the uh the swagger that Joey Burrow has man I uh I've listen I've been so impressed with what I've seen out of him man like he threw 525 yards on the Ravens defense and, and granted I understand the Ravens are battling quite a bit of COVID issues and injuries but to throw 525 yards Anytime in the NFL against anybody, that's quite the accomplishment, man. Like, he, he looked really good, and I'm happy for him, man. He came off that knee surgery last year. His, you know, rookie season was cut short, and he seems to have picked up right where he left off. And this is a big litmus test game for the Bengals. There's a lot of buzz around the Bengals in Ohio. A lot of fans are starting to get amped up about the Bengals. They think that they're the legit and real deal. And you will find out this weekend if you are or not, because you are playing the top dog in the AFC the team that you're going to measure up against for the next 10 to 15 years. The guy that Joe Burrow has to be for the next 10 to 15 years is Patrick Mahomes, and he has to have a good performance on Sunday, and I think he will. I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that this offense is now, you know, early in the year, it was a lot of just, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar chasing that's it. Now T. Higgins is getting involved. T. Higgins is becoming the player we thought he was going to be. Tyler Boyd had, you know, three receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. Joe Mixon is running the ball really well. Uh, C.J. Uzama, I mean, there's all around the field, they've got good weapons. And on top of that, defense is playing good. Now, on the other end, the Chiefs, man, they're just rolling. They're just they're, they're coming off of an absolute beatdown of the Pittsburgh Steelers where it was just embarrassing. I think I watched maybe two drives of that game against the Chiefs and the Steelers, and I was like, yep, Chiefs are going to blow this game out. I don't need to watch anymore because the Big Ben looks so bad. He, he's so he's so yeah, dumb. But Wrong name. Geriatric Ben, right? Thank you. <laughs> But the Chiefs, they're running into form, man. We talk about this every week. They're looking scarier and scarier by the day. You know, the AFC had a chance when those guys were struggling to really put their, you know, neck, uh, their foot on the necks and kind of hold them down. They didn't do that, and now they're kind of bouncing back and just rolling people. Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns, 258 yards. He looked really good. Um, their running game looked decent. Their 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 defense, you know, is the is the one key that the one key um, factor of their team that's that's improved the most. So. All that being said, I still got the Bengals to win, but it is going to be close. It's going to be somewhere in the realm of a 27-24 game. A little bit more lower scoring. Um, it's going to be a little cold in Ohio this week. We might have some weather. That might affect it with an outdoor stadium. So it's going to be a fun game. Though. I'm super excited to watch this game. Now, is this at 1 o'clock? They didn't flex this game, right? Uh, they didn't flex at 1 o'clock, man. Wait, what the fuck? The NFL okay. is usually really good about flexing these kind of games, but I don't understand why they didn't do it, you know? Right, they did the same last week. Like that Bills, uh, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Bills pass game. That should have been like a four oh five, four twenty five game. They left it in the one o'clock time slot. I, I, I don't know. I got no words, but well, uh, I, I, think I think this should be the, a four o'clock game. Yeah, a four o'clock game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I would have moved it to the eight o'clock game. Truthfully, I understand that it's the Vikings and Packers, and that's a big rivalry. I get that, um, but I think this game would have been so much fun to watch on on prime time, man. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. Now, if you had to guess for after, obviously, in your mind, is the Chiefs the, the number one team in the AFC for you? Is that the team you got to go through? Or or do you think the Bills are kind of creeping back in the territory because they already beat them earlier? And obviously, they seem to have found some magic. I'm going to go Chiefs. The, the only thing that gives me pause is just the track record of the season for the Bills with how inconsistent they've been. Like, that's... That's kind of where I'm at in life. Like, if if we can replicate this performance, and you know they're going against the Atlanta Falcons, they're a 14 point favorite. Like, if they could replicate what they did against New England, uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, and I get it. Like, the Falcons aren't a playoff caliber team, despite them being close to the last playoff spot in the NFC for a wild card berth. But like, if they can win and win convincingly, a la like in college where you're supposed to blow teams out for style points, mm-hmm. I think I would start leaning towards them being the dark horse best team in the league. But now, right now, it's it's all all roads point to Arrowhead, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we're we're setting up for a Bills back out to Arrowhead for an AFC Championship mm-hmm. game. That's gonna be fun to watch, and knowing how. The Bills beat them early on this year. It's going to be hard to beat them twice, man. Even though I yep. want them. I mean, I, I, I'm at the point now where I want the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, but I understand that's probably not going to happen because of just the amount of injuries those guys are going through is, is kind of insane. I'm at the point now where I want nothing more for the Bills to win a Super Bowl, man. I just want, yep. I just wanted to shove it down some of these these Boston people, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I've, I've gained it. such hatred. Felger said this once and it didn't resonate until two weeks ago with me. Felger like was like, no, we don't hate the Patriots. We hate you. We hate you, you baby fans. And I and I've never felt more like Felger in my whole life over the last two weeks. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I'm here for, Jay. Let's go. <laughs> the the hate's been turned up. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's move on to the uh, ten and five Arizona Cardinals, who are sinking pretty quickly all of a sudden. Against, I mean, they're the, borderline frauds. Let's let's mm-hmm. call it for what it is. Against the borderline frauds, eleven and four uh, Dallas Cowboys. The the Cardinals are coming off of a Saturday night loss to the Colts. Final score was twenty two sixteen, but the game wasn't that close, truthfully. Um, and then the Cowboys are coming off of a complete beatdown of the of the Washington Football Team, where. That is something where you could say maybe the Dallas Cowboys killed the Washington football team franchise. I mean, with the amount of like just bullshit going on the sideline and how bad the score was, maybe the Cowboys did kill the the Washington football team. But getting back to the the Cards and the Cowboys, who do you got win this game, man? I'm going to go Dallas. I mean, right mm-hmm. now the Arizona Cardinals, I said it. I didn't mean to step on you during the intro for the game, no but worries. I mean, let's let's call it for what it is. This the the Cardinals are on a, about a, I think it's a three-game losing streak. One of those losses was a back-breaking loss to the lowly Lions. Detroit Lions. Like, th- this is now starting to become a trend. We saw it last year where, you know, I thought I was ahead uh, and Burge was ahead too, where we had the Cardinals as a, a playoff team. They wilted, they wilted down the stretch. Yeah, I get it. Kyler Murray got hurt down the end. But, you know, th- you're seeing the same song second verse here. Like, Kyler Murray got gets dinged up in the middle of an MVP-esque performance. The team actually wins uh, two out of three games with Colt McCoy. He comes back. They start going on this three-game losing streak, and it doesn't look good. I mean, it just seems like they're lost in all facets of the game. Uh, Matt Prater was just missing chip shot field goals last week. Uh, I don't really know what's going on with Dancing Cliff Kingsbury with some of the play calling, but, I mean, they're, they're really wilting down the stretch. I get it. They secured a playoff berth. Uh, but they didn't do it by winning against the Colts. They they needed a team mm-hmm. to lose in order for them to get a playoff berth. And uh, I, I just I'm going with Dallas right now. They're, they're the more talented to me. They're the more talented team, and I'm saying that with full disclosure that Dak is still trying to work his way out of a slump of some sort. But I mean, they really had their way against the Washington football team. I mean, they put Washington at the kids' table. The mm-hmm. first pass of the game, I believe, was an interception off of Heineke. Uh, the defense was just flying all over the place. You know, the offense could really do whatever they wanted at will. Um, and I think with how Kyler Murray's been playing and some of his decision making skills, I wouldn't be shocked if if Trayvon Diggs winds up with an interception or two mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday against against Arizona. So. 
give me give me Dallas in this game. Uh, I'm just pulling up the spread here real quick. The spread is Dallas was... lane five. Mm, five and a half? Five, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five, five and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. The over-under is 52. I, I, I would lay the five points with Dallas. I just I have no confidence in, in the Arizona Cardinals right now. Yeah, let me uh, let me start by saying this. I think the Cowboys are going to win this game, and most of my commentary is going to be about the Cardinals because the Cowboys they're looking good. I mean, they got the running attack going. Dak Prescott's playing well. Defense is playing well. They look like one of the better teams in the NFC. But with the Cardinals, I I'm not a loss for words, truthfully. And granted, this is coming from the guy that really didn't buy into the Kyler Murray hype. I understand in the beginning of the year he was throwing up crazy numbers, but I don't I don't understand what has happened to him coming off that injury. I understand maybe he's still hurt. Maybe they rushed him back out there too quick, but the player we have on the field, I can't even recognize him. He, he looks skittish. He looks, uh, he has bad mechanics. You know, he's not really lining up and throwing the ball how you're supposed to as a quarterback in the NFL. He's throwing inside, outside, just wildly inaccurate. And then we talked about this last week, and then he's like constantly grilling his receivers for his mistakes. You know what I'm saying? And that's just mm-hmm. the precedent I just hate. I mean, I just hate that lack of leadership and the bad body language. I mean, Colin Coward pointed this out and once he did, I started realizing it as well. It, there's a lot of Jay Cutler bad body language with him when things aren't going his way. And generally speaking with the leader of your football team, you, you can't have that. you got to have an even keel, can't get too high, can't get too low, you know, presence about you so you can lead your men onto the battlefield. And and for him, I, I do think it's more of a Kyler Murray issue because if it was a Cliff Kingsbury issue, like he's not calling any of the plays that he did earlier in the year. I mean, he's calling some of the same plays that right. he called that worked early on, but now they're not. And I think a lot of this comes down to Kyle Murray. And I and I don't know if it's simply his injury or if it's something more going on, but they got to fix it soon or they might be one and done. Like we could be looking at a thing where, you know, having the Cardinals come to play you in the playoffs is a good thing now, you know? Right, right. And especially like, you know, it, which is weird. Like the Cardinals are a bad for some reason a bad home team but like they mm-hmm. it's not like they've been really that much better on the road recently either so i don't know man this team is just picking a really bad time a la new england patriots to f- try to figure out what their identity is going down the stretch to secure a playoff berth so i don't know man i mean look at some of these look at these some of these performances 23 points against the rams in a loss 12 points against the detroit lions in a loss 16 points against Indianapolis Colts in a loss. I mean, that's that's kind of insane. Coming from where they were early on in the year and how, how they were blowing teams out, uh, this is kind of kind of unseen. I mean, before that, they had 38 against the Titans, 34 against the, the Minnesota Vikings in Week 2, 31 against the Jags in Week two, 3. I mean, 37, 37, 31, 31. I don't know what's happening here. I, I do believe this is more of a Colin Murray issue than it is a, a Cliff Kingsbury issue. And I was going to ask, too, like... How this all can't be because uh, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, right? Like, there's there's no way. So. I don't think so. There's more. Okay. <laughs> because when you watch Kyler closely, he he's throwing like Cam Newton through last year, where he both feet are pointed toward the line of scrimmage. You know what I'm saying? Both like the bad feet? mechanics are are so bad that you'll see him get out of position so badly where his whole body is facing the line of scrimmage, and that's never a that's never a, a position you want to be as a quarterback in the NFL because you can't generate any power on your throws. I mean, at the end of the day, we all know you use your legs and the twisting motion of your torso to, you know, rocket that ball downfield. But when both your legs are pointing towards the line of scrimmage, that's bad. And I've seen that more than once over the last couple of weeks. Yep. And then, I mean, I at the end man. of the day, if they lose this game and then they lose, well, they got the Seahawks in the, in the last, uh, they probably won't lose that game because it's at home, but who knows, right? But I mean, this could be an interesting like depending on where they end up at, they could be five, six, uh, who knows, maybe seventeen, depending on how it all shakes out. Yeah, it's it's bizarre world, man. You want to talk about how far the mighty have fallen? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> holy crap! Holy, but again, it, it's it's a trend we're seeing, like late season faltering of the Arizona Cardinals. So I I, I don't know. They need to figure out a way to buck this trend. That well, is for sure, and they need to do it quick. Apparently, f- there's a lot of pressure within the building. Apparently, uh, the owner and general manager decided last year's faltering was something that can't happen again. And there's a lot of pressure on that team now to kind of correct it because it's coming down from up top that, hey, listen, this happened last year. This can't happen again kind of thing, you know. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if that's causing extra pressure on everybody involved in the locker room, you know. I think so. I would buy that for sure. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to the final game. Uh, the 7-8 and eight Minnesota Vikings against the 12-3 and three Green Bay Packers. Uh, Puma, who do you got winning this game? Oh, God, it's an island game. It's Kurt in prime time. But, like, the Packers' defense really hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks. I, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Vikings. I don't feel that great about picking mm -hmm. it. Honestly, I feel like I need to go take a shower after the podcast because I picked the Vikings. Uh, the only thing is, it's like, I don't really know what to make of this coaching staff because you look last week when they're playing against the Rams, Kirk Cousins is actually having a good day airing the ball out. I think he threw it for like 300 plus yards, uh, a touchdown or two. Uh, Justin Jefferson broke uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s receiving record uh, in that game. And, you know, funny enough, he's playing against Odell. So that was just another layer in that game. But then you have like Stone Age Mike Zimmer wanting mm -hmm. to run the ball like it's 1995 with Alexander Madison against that front four, front seven of the Rams, which is just going to stonewall you every time. So I don't know what to make of that game. Looking at the numbers over the last couple of weeks, the Packers have been 32nd in yards per carry allowed. Um, so on paper, this should be a good Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison running the football type of game, but I feel like we're going to be living in bizarre world where it's if it's too logical, you got to do the opposite. So we're not going to run the football. We're actually just going to try to air it out, and we're going to you know see Kirk Cousins turn into Kirby Cousins. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Vikings, dude. I don't feel that great about it, especially really? when on the other side of the field you're looking at the uh, you know at a a guy in uh, an Aaron Rodgers who off the field just doesn't know when to keep his foot out of his mouth, but that's a story for another day. But on the field, he's been playing at an MVP level clip. I think depending on what sports book you're looking at, I think he's the odds on favorite right now to win MVP at minus 125. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Vikings just to kind of go against the grain, but I don't feel that great about it. And like I said, probably going to take a shower after the pod because I picked the Vikings. Well, I think your pick would make more sense if the Vikings didn't already beat them earlier on this year. I mean, that was that was the one of the upsets of earlier on the year when the Vikings, you know, hosted the Packers in Minnesota and they beat them. And I just don't see the Packers letting that happen twice, truthfully, with how good they're playing mm -hmm. right now. I think the Packers are going to win this game, and it might be a little bit of a blowout. I, I think you hit it right on the head. As much of a Brady fan I am, even I've got to admit, Brady's faltering over the last couple of weeks, and, and our Rodgers is coming on strong. The guy, as much as I don't like him, he's a damn good quarterback, man. Like, he really is. The way he whoops the ball is kind of insane. And the way that he and Devontae Adams make the game look so easy, it's kind of remarkable. So I'm going to have the Packers winning this. I don't have really much to say anything else besides that. But I do want to say that I think I think LaFleur should be coach of the year. You know, early on I went on and said that, you know, Bill Belichick has won the coach of the year against the Bills game, but I didn't expect him to lose the next two games. So I think right now, I think LaFleur, with what he's done and that team with the Packers, I think he should win coach of the year, hands down. He's lost nine regular season games in three years. Like, let that sink in for a second. That is absolutely astounding. Three losses his first year, three losses last year, and three losses this year. Um, and then furthermore... It's not just the X's and O's. He has had to manage Aaron Rodgers. I mean, think about how hard that is. <laughs> like, I really, I really, when I was thinking about this, I really was thinking about this. I was like, yeah, I get it. LaFleur's having a good year, and he's, he's playing really well. He's coaching very well. But what can I say is going to put him over the top? And the fact that he had to manage Aaron Rodgers was a tiebreaker for me. I mean, that, that in itself is an endeavor, and he's done it masterfully. <laughs> it's so true like you might as well nominate Lafleur for uh for sainthood you yeah. know like holy shit yeah no that's a very a very good point especially with you know rogers recently with his new good friend joe rogan and i'm saying that as a guy that listens to rogan and thinks some of his episodes are hilarious but i'm not gonna take my medical advice from joe rogan uh, but yeah, no, you're managing that prima donna. Yes, yes. Just give him the coach of the year award. Yeah, and if it, if all goes as planned, I think the Packers can tie everything up this weekend, and they might be able to rest uh, everybody in week uh, 18 against the Lions. So, if I have that correct, because that would put them 12 and three. 12... Yeah, I think I think that could probably clinch up it all, clinch it all up for them at that point. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers goes out there against the Lions to try to pad those MVP stats, but if I'm him, I probably should because he probably will win it. Yeah, especially point, with you know? that banged-up toe. You can't yeah. keep getting toward all shots at halftime. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. 
Let me ask you a question real quick. I'm looking at the NFC playoff picture right now, and number two right now is the Dallas Cowboys, right, at 11-4. Mm-hmm. and four. But the Buccaneers also 11-4, and four, and they beat the Cowboys. How does that work out? Yeah, that's interesting. But, you know, even going into the Washington game, somehow Wash, uh, the Dallas Cowboys won the NFC East with the win by the Las Vegas Raiders and the Raiders beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. So I, I don't know how some of this math works out. <coughs> yeah. I was, I was in, you know, basic math in high school. I, I'm still learning to carry the one. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works out. That's education yeah. of the six Oh three for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any best bets this week? I just got one mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be, the Houston Texans getting 13 points right now against the San Francisco 49ers. And wow. I'm, I'm taking Houston because, one, they absolutely curb stomped the Chargers Can on we talk Sunday. about that real quick? Can we talk about that real quick? Go, go for it. You you go for it. What the hell is happening with the Chargers, Puma? Like, I, don't I don't understand know, it. Like, I, I understand that they had 13 players on COVID protocol, and I understand, you know, Justin Herbert didn't have his – half his offensive line and some key pieces but you can't lose to the Houston Texans man like what are we doing here that was that was no lie I'm not joking when I say this one of the most disheartening losses I've had all year against all the teams I follow whether it's the Bucks, the Patriots or the Chargers I, I my, my floor was, my, my jaw was on the floor Davis Mills looked like he was Joe Montana out there that Chargers defense couldn't do jack shit to stop him and Jay, I had no what idea what was happening. What you're leaving out is this is the Houston Texans without Brandon Cooks. So it mm-hmm. was the Nico Collins, Chris Conley, Rex Burkhead show with with Davis Mills. And they they absolutely picked that defense apart, man. Like Chris Conley had a, a beautiful uh, deep pass for a touchdown. Nico Collins found the end zone. Um, Rex Burkhead looked like, you know, mm-hmm. RB1. The old Rex which, Burkhead, yeah. Which, you know, he was on my bench in fantasy. I wanted to shoot myself. But, I mean, this is, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on with Houston. <laughs> like, maybe they actually have some building blocks to build around. Well, Davis uh, Mills has played well the last three weeks. Like, if you look at his stats and some of the numbers he's thrown up, he has played phenomenal with just the amount, the lack of talent and the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans. Like, I know we, we all talk about, you know, Mac Jones, uh, he's so great. And, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence and all the rookies. I think, I think look at what Davis Mills is doing. And he should really be, you know, talked about in those breadths of Mac Jones and, and Trevor Lawrence, all his rookie quarterbacks, because he's been mm-hmm. phenomenal the last few weeks. Yep. But um, for, for betting purposes, I'm taking them getting 13 points, one, based on that performance, and two, Jay, I know it's, you know, your favorite quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's He's got a, a fractured thumb and a torn ligament. More than likely, he's not going to play this week. I think the line is kind of factoring in, you know, Trey Lance already starting. Now, if Trey Lance looked like doo-doo the first time he actually started a game and they actually started taking him out of these little packages that they were running at the beginning of the year, why would I lay 13 points with, with the San Francisco 49ers? It, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I like the Houston Texans in the spot. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I definitely think they keep it within 13 points. Is it bad that uh, while I'm watching Mac Jones throw like soft lollipops, uh, I'm thinking... You know, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> really? We're at that point, Jay, huh? Dude, I... Uh, you know how depressing it is to watch back-to-back Josh Allen go out there and throw lasers? And then you have floaty Mr. <laughs> Mr. Noodle or Mac Jones goes out there and throws, like, floaty lollipops. Like, it is so depressing to see that. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo probably wouldn't play for four or five games, but that's when Mac Jones can hold the clip, uh, can hold the uh, hold the spot warm from him while, while he's he's resting up. You know, and it's just wow. I'm in a bad we've, spot, Puma. I'm in a bad spot right now. We've broke Jay Chima. This is great. The oh. Bills broke broke Jay Chima. <laughs> yep. This is it's fine, Jay. It's fine. But otherwise, it's the only that's the only bet I got is Houston plus thirteen. The worst part is Puma, no matter how much I understand Mac Jones is going to get better. I understand next year he'll learn how to read defenses quicker and he'll play with more anticipation. It's still not going to be good enough. He's still not going to be the best quarterback in the AFC East. You feel me? He never will yep. be that. Dude, He ne- not even the 
the whole NFL, just the AFC alone, he's not going to be a top six quarterback with Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. That's fucking six names right there. And I haven't even thought about it yet, you know? Yep. Oh, God. Buckle up, Jay. Buckle up. I hate Bill Belichick so much. All right, Puma. That's, that's all I got right now, man. Yep, I think we're I think we're good. Uh, fantasy wise, I think we're all in the losers lounge. It's mm-hmm. the last week. Mm-hmm. Anyone that made it to a championship series this year, God bless you. My I know my wife did. Uh, she's going up against. Did she really? Uh, yep, she's uh, she's in the big dance. She's going up wow. against uh, Jeff Moss. Um, and I think uh, I think she's got the better team. And I'm not saying that just because, um, you know, I'm her husband. Uh, her team is 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 pretty pretty rock solid. So I think. Uh, I think she's gonna win, uh, win, the, win the championship here. Finally capture glory, and uh, and uh, you know beat Jeff's ass. It's gonna be a fun time. Love you, Jeff. But I think my <laughs> wife's gonna steamroll you. It's fine. <laughs> other than team, that, I let's go team Tara. Woo! Yeah. Other than that, I got nothing. We're all in the losers' lounge. To hell with it. First rounds on me. Um, are we safe to plug it up, Liz Taylor? You got any more thoughts? You got to get off your chest. No, I'm just gonna sit here wallowing in my own fucking sadness. What? <laughs> It's okay. You can't wallow in your sadness, Jay. It's your birthday. Come on. Oh man, no, not 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 this week, man. Just lots going on, you know. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> lots going on. There's a lot going on personally, but on top of that, with the with the Patriots losing and how bad Mac Jones looked with his fucking noodle arm, oh, not a good week, man. <laughs> It's fine, Jay. You just fly out here. We'll have a couple of Winston Churchills. It'll be it'll be a good time. Anywho. Puma, what? Puma, one guy is literally launching bazookas. Boom! And then the other guy is like, uh, let me try to get it's the ball out gun. there. It's uh... <laughs> that, what does a bazooka make? Boom! And then you got Mac Jones out there. Uh, here's the ball coming. <laughs> anywho, anywho, you made it this far. Congratulations. First round's on me. This episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. On YouTube, make sure you hit that little bell button to subscribe to get the latest videos once the captain, Jay Chima, the ones and twos, drops everything after he works his magic, slicing and dicing things up. On the uh, Apple Podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Somehow it helps with the algorithm out in Palo Alto to get to the masses and uh, get the exposure out there. Social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram at Pro Football Radio Podcast. Twitter machine at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima's on at Jay Chima. And our senior analyst, senior contributor, Jay Chima. Uh, not Jay Chima, Jesus. Uh, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine at Burge the Goalie. Uh, be sure to give him some shit for missing the podcast this week. But otherwise, hit us up on social media. Hit us up in the DMs. And... Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy another wild week of football. We're going down the home stretch, and uh, everybody stay safe and avoid the COVID, and we'll be good and enjoy some playoff football. Josh on Bazooka, go boom! (laughs) 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 All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, Dios.